Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. I'm excited to be ministering today, and uh, my message today is entitled, if you are titled, uh, if you want to take notes, you can, How to Trust God in the Midst of a No. How to Trust God in the Midst of a No. Um, let me just go ahead and pray, and we'll get into today's service. Father, we just come before you. We just thank you for this amazing opportunity that we have as children, as your children, as your chosen generation to come together in unity and to lift up your voice and to draw closer unto you. The scripture says that if we knock, that the doors would be open. That if we would seek your face, that you shall be found, Father. And I just declare that we've come to do one thing, and that is just to draw closer unto you. I declare today that I would decrease so that you, the greater one on the inside of me, would increase. That you would think through my mind, that you would speak through my lips, that it would be all of you, Father, and none of me. Amen, amen. Well, uh, I grew up in church, and uh, when I say I grew up in church, I don't mean that I went to church and I was growing up as a child. I I mean that I literally grew up in church. Like, I was sleeping on pews, I slept under chairs, like, I would, I was here summers were spent at church. Uh, my parents had the offices at the church, and so I was here nonstop. Uh, I remember I would make forts out of the chairs in the sanctuary, and I would crawl in between them, I would stack them as high as I could and climb them. Uh, I, I literally grew up in church. And so for conferences, I was dragged to every conference. It doesn't matter where it was, no, it doesn't matter what it was, it was about. I was at conferences my whole life. I was dragged to them, like dragged, literally. <laughs> I remember there was, uh, uh, growing up in, in, a, uh, in and around a Word of Faith ministry, I remember a lot of the topics. It was like uh, three ways to get your breakthrough. <laughs> Four ways to, uh, uh, what was it? We got, we got three ways to get your breakthrough. That's another one I remember. Five ways to, to call in your blessing. How to start walking into your promised land. You guys remember that one? That's a good one. Another one is three ways to be an overcomer. And as a child, I even remember I was going to the singles ones. The, the single, we had a single and secure I was at the marriage conferences. I was at single conferences. I was at every single conference there was. I was 10 years old at a singles conference. My mom had me dressed up, and I'm there passing out tickets and stuff for raffles and everything. And here's here's an oldie but a goodie. It's a jungle out there, if anybody remembers that one. A single conference. Uh, My favorite one was... How to drop his ass and get a Boaz. No, I'm just kidding. That was <laughs> That's for the real Christians, if you guys know that one. If those of you are just coming into the church and you don't know the name Boaz, Boaz was in Scripture, and he was the, the pinnacle of a godly man. And, and Ruth was waiting for her Boaz. And that's a little church humor for those who, the older ones who grew up in church, you all know what I'm talking about. But I grew up in church. And um, I mean, someone's going to do that conference now. That's going to be a good conference. So, I'll tell you what, that's going to be a good one. I mean, <laughs> but I grew up in church, and one of the things I'm looking back on it is that I don't remember much about is that, you know, you can find books on self-help books. On, 
on how to uh, get your breakthrough and how to get your blessing and, and prosperity and all these different things, but there's not much talked about what to do when things don't go right. What to do when God doesn't give you the yes that you've been believing for. What to do when life doesn't look like what it should be for you. Or what you feel was promised for you. What do I do now? And sometimes we find ourselves lacking and we look at the people around us and maybe they're succeeding and they're having a blessed life. And the answers that I'm looking for just don't seem to come. And God, I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been going to church, but I just can't get that yes in my life. So what do I do? Turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm here today to encourage you that you don't have to throw in the towel. That you don't have to lose your faith just because things aren't going your way. Just because the circumstances around you aren't what you expected them to be. You don't have to leave God. That you can still have faith in who he is. See, understand that faith isn't developed in the good times. Faith isn't developed when everything is going right and you have no pain in your body and everything is just lined up perfectly. Faith is strengthened when all hell is breaking loose. When you're in the midst of a struggle and you can still stand firm in who God is, that's when strength is developed. That's when faith is developed, when it doesn't look like you can't stand anymore. Because what does Scripture say? It says, what do I do? I need to just stand. I stand, therefore, even in the midst of a trial, even in a hard time, I stand knowing that God is still my God. Uh, and in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to do our reading at verse 7. But... Um, we jump into this passage of Scripture with the, the Apostle Paul. And, and this, this glimpse that we have of Paul, it's very intimate that he begins to describe things that he's going through in his life. We get this rare image of Paul and, and his vulnerability. And at a time of need, he begins to describe a conversation that he's had with God. It's a glimpse that we get to see behind the pulpit, if you may. Because a lot of times we see the pastor and we see them teaching and talking about their triumphs and talking about their victories, but you don't know the wars that happen behind the pulpit. You don't know the hardships that happen behind the scenes. The things that they've gone through in life, and all we see are the victories. And we look up to the victories, but you don't know the scars or the wounds that are going on behind the pulpit. And so we get into Paul, and he says this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And we'll start our reading at verse 7 through 10. It says this. At least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me, that it may depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. In reproach, in reproach, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. 
For, I, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This is so real. <laughs> because we look at Paul, we're like, man, he's this, this great apostle. He's just done great things for God. But here he's laying it out. <laughs> There's, I've got some things in my life that I just can't get rid of. I've got some things in my life that I've been going through that nobody else knows that I'm going through. And I, I take... I say, not pleasure, but it makes it easy for me now because now I see someone who, who is amazing, this, this champion in the, in the Bible. But he's so real, and he's saying, for three times I prayed God to take this from me. And I, I wonder if there's ever been anybody in here who's had to pray, and, and you didn't get the answer you wanted. And it's been hard. And you, God, if I could just get rid of this one thing, if I could just get rid of this, if I could be so much better, I could be so much further along, if I can just get rid of this one thing. And you have to understand Paul. Paul was an was a, a all-or-nothing kind of guy. There was no in-between for Paul. He was 110% the whole way. He was either super bad, and then he was super good. Paul give it, gave everything he had. It says that he, he says amongst him, about himself when he was first Saul, God, Jesus changed his name to Paul, but he was first Saul, and it says to, he says about himself, I was the chief sinner, that there was no other sinner greater than me. I, I was the best at it. I was the devil's number one. I was the chief sinner. And then he would later go on to say, I know that I pray in tongues more than you all. That I can look at this church, I can look at the people I'm around, and I know for a fact that I have a better relationship with God than all of you. There was no in-between with him. He was either on his way to hell, or he was right in heaven. There was no in-between. He said, I was the chief sinner, and now I know that I, I pray more than... See, understand that Paul, even though he had less of a relationship physically with Jesus did more with what he had than the rest of the 12. He wasn't even around when Jesus was walking the streets doing miracles. He wasn't even on the scene. He came into contact with Jesus after the resurrection. After the resurrection, he had a personal uh, 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 account with Jesus where Jesus came up to him while he was while he was dri uh, driving he was on a horse <laughs> he had the first buggy here he had this he had this encounter with Jesus one moment with God radically changed his life and at that moment everything changed but before that he was a killer of Christians and now he finds himself preaching Jesus Christ resurrected Preaching the very gospel he was killing people for? See, but then he finds himself stuck between two worlds. The world that he left as a Christian killer. And now the life that he now lives, someone proclaiming the goodness of Christ. And he finds himself in the middle and he's no longer accepted by his old life. But he doesn't feel completely accepted by his new life. Because they look at him and they say, this is the guy that just killed our friend. This is the guy that, that, that put my, my sister in jail. How can I receive from him? So he finds himself stuck right in the middle of this, this, this battle within himself. Is 
the person I used to be and the person I, and I, I'm sure that there's people who have gone through that in life. That, man, you know, I, I've walked away from some, some, things, some things. I've walked away from some lifestyles. I've said no to some things that I'm no longer that person. But I don't feel completely 100% over here because I know I still have some sin. I know I still have some struggles that I, I go with on a daily basis. I, I know that I, I'm no longer that person, but it's hard to just completely be this, this person over here too. Because I, I know my past. I know what I've done. I know the struggles that I have, and it's hard to let go of things. I can relate to Paul, as I'm sure many of us can. This hardship that we feel, this tugging in our heart, this, this tug-of-war battle within our lives. Of I'm no longer that person, but I just can't let go of some things. Every victor, there's a victim mentality on the inside. There's some part of our life where we know, man, if I could just get rid of that thing, if I can just get rid of that one thing, I could be so much better. But every victim has a victor mentality on the inside as well, our victim, our victor position on the inside, knowing that God has done a great, a great work in my life. That's why I love the statement that Pastor Art makes. He says, I'm not better than you, and you're not better than me, but through God, we're better than what we used to be. And that is so true that, yes, I'm still a work in progress. See, people, under, you need to understand that there's a difference between justification and sanctification. See, justification means as soon as I ask Jesus into my heart, I am immediately justified, no longer a sinner, but now saved by grace. But the sanctification, that's a process. That, that's a marathon. That's not a sprint. That's a, a daily renewing of your mind. I daily submit myself to God, it said. Daily, not just one and done. There's a process of strength. There's a process of growth that needs to happen. So Paul is saying, I'm on this road of sanctification. Yes, I'm doing all these things, but I still have this one thing that I just can't let go. Paul says this. Least I be exalted above measure. A messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me. You guys know what buffet me? I'm not talking about a buffet. Some of y'all got hungry. To buffet means to fight, to punch, to hit, to knock down. He said, this messenger of Satan has come to buffet me, literally has come to beat me down. Anybody ever felt beat down? You ever felt like, man, I'm being hit from every single angle. I mean, it seems like every single demon on earth has just flocked towards me and it's just pounding me down. Like I just feel so unbalanced because I'm trying to live this life, but I'm hitting, being hit from every single angle. I'm just being buffeted. I'm being punched in the face. I'm being punched in the gut. I'm getting the wind knocked down me. It seems like things just keep coming. Waves and waves of things just keep coming. I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to do what's right. But I just can't get past these few things. And they just keep, to, just keep seem to, to knock me down. And I just can't get past this. This, this thorn in the flesh, it says. It says this messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh was sent to him. 
Now, I've been doing a lot of research and, and, and Googling and reading a bunch of different documents about this thorn in the flesh. And there's been wide debate about what this thorn was. And in my, my, my studies of this, I wanted to present some clarity on what this thorn was. Or what it could be. You guys, you guys want that? I can't. Because I don't know. There's no clear answer to what it is. There's been wide speculation as to what it could be. It could be a sickness. Uh, some say it was epilepsy. Some say that, that it was his eyesight and never fully healed. And it, because there's other scriptures where it says if, if they could pluck out their eyes and give them to me, they would. They loved me so much. Indicating that he had issue maybe with his eyes. There's, some say it was a sexual issue, that, it, that there was some kind of thing going on. There's so many speculations about what it could be. Nobody knows. But I am glad that it doesn't say. I'm glad that it doesn't stand. I love when God does these kinds of things because then I can insert my issues. I can insert my sin. And I can say, if Paul is going through this, if Paul, the guy that wrote most of the New Testament, had some issues still that he just can't get past, then I can get through some stuff. That I don't have to be perfect. That God's not looking for perfection. Because I... I had this thorn in the flesh, just like Paul did. And, and we can insert ourselves into the story. We can insert our sin and say, man, God, I, this is the one thing that I need to get rid of. And we can begin to voice that thing in our lives and say, okay, no longer am I going to allow this to, to be my, my struggle. No longer am I going to allow this to have uh, priority in my life. I've now voiced what this is. Paul, he, we can insert ourselves. Now, we don't know what the thorn was, but we know that it was something that just tormented Paul. It was something, it was a, a, phys, it was a physical pain that privately hurt him, or it was a public humiliation. No matter what it was, it was something that hurt. You ever felt overwhelmed? Like, really think about it today. Really think right now. What is overwhelming you? What is just messing you up at night? What is the thing that when you lay your head down, it constantly just jabs at your mind and it's so hard to sleep because this thing is just overwhelming you. It's, it's buffeting you and you can't get any rest. You just feel overwhelmed. Paul finds himself literally overwhelmed by this thing. It says three times he prayed. Three times, you understand? Three times, Paul, the apostle, Paul, three times he prayed for this one thing. And he was overruled. He made his, his, his case to God. And it says that he was overruled. I'm overwhelmed. Paul. Three times he prayed. Paul didn't even have to pray three times when the guy fell out the three-story building and died. It says that he just went down there, laid on him, commanded life back into his body, went back up and, pray, and began teaching again. That same guy, Paul, says he prayed three times. Let's, let's try to imagine that conversation. 
Try to imagine that prayer, that intimate time Paul is having with God. God, you, God, you, you know I've done miracles. I've raised the dead. I've cleansed leopard. I, I, I preached captive. I, I, I've preached your word, your, your uncompromising word. Faith in you. I've preached it all, God. And, and, I, and I, you know, I didn't say nothing when I got shipwrecked. I didn't say nothing when I was jailed for, for just for preaching your word. I didn't say nothing when I was beaten and when I was torn naked, I was thrown in the streets. I didn't say nothing, God. I did it all just for you. This one thing. I need help with this one thing, God. I just can't get over it. It's not in my own mind. I've tried. Believe me, God, I have tried to get, let, just let go of this one thing. I just can't do it. I can't do it on my own. God, I didn't say nothing for anything else. I've never asked you for anything personally. I just need this one favor. There's just this one thing that I can't let go of. There's just this one thing that I just can't get rid of. It, it, it haunts me. It's wounded me. It's overwhelmed me. I just can't let go. I just can't let, get it out of here. I, I, just, I just can't get rid of it. It's this one thing. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. This kind of reminds me of somebody else in scripture. There was a man who prayed three times. If there's any way that this cup can pass from me. If there's any way, Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane says that he prayed three times and the disciples kept falling asleep. But it says he came to them and said, get up and pray with me. You don't understand what I'm about to go through. You don't understand the hardships that I'm about to face. I'm about to go to the cross. I need your help. And Jesus, in a time of humility, cries out to God, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. But he immediately says, not my will, Father, but your will be done. And he accepts the call. And then he goes on to say, for the joy that was set before me, he endured the cross. See, how does Paul go from overwhelmed to overruled to overjoyed? Did you see that transition? From overwhelmed, over. Oh, overruled, God, no, my grace is sufficient for you. So then overjoyed. Let's, can we read it one more? Actually, you know what, I, I, um, there's a scripture I want to I give you guys. I, I, this scripture is like the one you hide in the back of your pocket. This is like the ace in the hole. This is the one when all hell is come, breaking loose, when you alone, you got nothing else to stand on, this is the one. I'm going to give it to you guys. I'm hesitant to give it to you because this is the one I keep in my pocket. You guys good for You guys ready for it? Deuteronomy 33, 25. Deuteronomy. This is it right here. You ready? It says, Deuteronomy 33, 25 through 27. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze. Your days... As your days, so shall your strength be. There is no one like the God of Jeshron who rides the heavens to help you. 
And who is excellent in the clouds, exalting in the clouds? The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out your enemies before you and, you, and will say destroyer. Here, here's the part that I really want to bring to life to you guys right here. The very beginning, not the sandals or bronze, but that's nice. They got some really good kicks. It says here, as your days, so shall your strength be. It's literally saying that God, my God, your God, the, the creator of all physical and natural things, God, the God of the universe, it says that he stretched out a ruler. It says he measured the height and the length of your days and supplied enough strength for anything that would come up against you. That no matter what was, see, God knows our beginnings from our ends. And it says that he's measured our days and he's sought, he's, he's overlooked every single day, every single struggle, every single hardship, every single pain, every single uh, emotional thing that you would go through. And he supplied enough strength so that you can overcome that day. That no matter what comes up against you, I've supplied strength. I, I've supplied grace for that day. So whenever you feel overwhelmed, whenever you feel like all hell is breaking loose, understand that God has already measured that day. God has already overlooked that day, and he's already at the end of that day, and he's already supplied enough strength for that day. Our God, my God, your God, has supplied you with strength for that day. So Paul finds himself overwhelmed overruled, and now overjoyed. He said, I take joy in my infirmities because I know that when I'm weak, I'm strong in him because now I can put my full trust, reliance in his grace. I'm no longer leaning on to my own understanding or my own ways. I'm looking to God, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who is my refuge and my strength, the lifter of my head, the one that opens doors that no man can shut. I'm now completely reliant on him. Overwhelmed, overruled, to overjoyed. See, how, how, how can God, I mean, how could Paul glory in his infirmities? See, because he understood, he understood that the tribulation was just a revelation of the grace that was supplied for the situation. See, he understood that the tribulation was the indicator that the grace was already supplied for whatever situation came up. So when you see struggles, when you see tribulations coming, you need to rejoice. Say, because my God has already supplied the grace for this struggle. My God has already supplied the grace for this situation. This, this worry that's trying to bombard my mind, I've already got strength for this day. I've already got grace to overcome it. I can rejoice in the times of struggles. I can rejoice in the times of hardship. Why? Because strength has already been supplied. Strength has already been supplied to my bones. Strength has been supplied to my family. Grace for today. Grace for tomorrow. Why? Because I can overcome whatever obstacle comes. Because it's not my will, but your will be done, Father. 
Go ahead and close your eyes. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.